0: moment, uh, but before we go there, we started the series with the the concept of uh, the gift of a father's love, and last week we talked about the importance of encouraging young fathers, encouraging young men to be godly fathers, and how we do have a pandemic of fatherhood in our world, and we need change, we need men to, to rise up and to lead victoriously and bravely. And so we want to pray that for the gift of this Christmas to our Lord, that, that many men would raise up and be a humble servants for the Lord. Today we're going to look at the joy of a godly mother. The joy of a godly mother. And I don't know uh, for you if what your mother, the experience you had with your mother. I know some people have had wonderful experiences. Some didn't even know their mother. And, and some have had tough experiences. Me personally, I am very blessed um, the mother that I have. My mother went to be with the Lord two years ago, and I miss her at moments like this on Christmas because she was such a blessing. And I realize that she was really the glue. I have three other brothers. Um, She was really good at keeping us connected, and so she is is missed greatly. But my hope is not in the fact that this life is all there is. And so because my hope is in eternity, I look forward to seeing my mother again. As we think of this idea of a joyful, godly mother and that idea of joy, um, I read a book recently called The Five Voices. And in it, um, some Christian psychologists evaluated the different personality types that there are and uh, dove into how that identity, our personality and our identities, seem to come together and and kind of uh, affect us in powerful ways. And so the first personality type that it talks about in the book is a nurturer. This is someone that uh, finds it important to take care of others. This is like a mother. This is someone that uh, finds it important to maintain stability. Stability is very important and protection and making sure everyone feels valued and and everyone is taken care of. And it's interesting that they they did the study and about 43% of people align with being a nurturer. So this morning... 50% 50% of us would align with being a nurturer type personality. We take care of people. We find joy in taking care of others. We find value in helping others. Another, The second personality type was called a creative, a person that is a very creative person. They find their value in their ability to create things, to use their hands and their imagination. Around 9% of the population aligns with this creative mindset that being creative is what gives them joy. Being creative is what gets them um, energized. And so maybe you're a creative type person. Uh, the, the next personality type was a guardian. A guardian is someone who wants to keep the tradition strong, wants to maintain the systems. Someone who is guarding what has, needs to be guarded, protecting the things that have kept things going. And so maybe this morning you feel that that's you. You want to maintain the traditions. You want to maintain the systems. You feel like it's your responsibility to guard them. About 30% of the population aligns with this type of personality. Connectors is the next group. Connectors is someone who looks to relationships. They're the life of the party. They know someone who knows someone all the time. If you have a problem, they know someone who has a solution for your problem. They're a connector. And they find their energy and their joy in relationships. They love Christmas because it's gatherings of people, seeing people you haven't seen in a while, building new relationships. About 11%, and obviously percentages, you know, they say 80% of of all percentages are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) but I think it's interesting 11% of people align with this and then finally the fifth personality type is a pioneer this is someone who's always thinking about the future always talking about what can be always making plans for what will be in the future 5 10 20 year plans and that's what gives them joy and that is what gives them energy And I believe as I was reading this book and really the the ending of the book is that God intentionally made us this way. That every one of these types of personalities has a purpose that fits into God's plan for the world, for the church, for families. That we need each type of person that has these different personalities. But when it comes to Christmas, it comes to this time of year. It comes to a year like we've had with the pandemic and the the unsettling of a world. It can steal the joy from all of these people. If stability is lost, where does the nurturer find joy? When ability isn't enough anymore, where does a creative find joy? When traditions and systems are broken, where does a a guardian find joy? When friendships and networks aren't able to meet anymore, you're not able to connect like you once connected, where do you find your joy? When the future doesn't look the same because so much has changed, Where do you find your joy? And so this morning as we we celebrate the birth of Christ and we recognize that he is the, the, the point of joy, let us consider our lives. Let us consider who we are. This morning, do you consider yourself a joyful person? Do you think of yourself as a joyful person? Do you think those that know you best would say, yes, they are a joyful person? And so with that, we're going to ask the Lord to give us wisdom and discernment as we look to his words to guide our hearts and our thoughts. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for life. I thank you for grace. You are holy. You tell us that you are love. Um, You are righteous and you are consistent. You're never changing. You're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And Lord, this morning we come here asking that your will would be done as it is in heaven at this moment. We ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would give us insight into eternal truth, that we would understand things that we didn't maybe understand before, that the things we do understand, that we would be energized to live them out. And Lord, as we journey on the path that you have created for us, Lord, that we would be protected and that we would trust you on that path. No matter what the obstacles, no matter what the adversity, we would trust you on the path that you have laid out for us And so, Lord, we look forward to your return. We know that your birth was just the beginning, that your death and resurrection established a truth that there's an eternity that is like a wave that is coming our direction. It's eternity set in your kingdom, an eternity set free from sin. And so this morning, Lord, we look forward to that. We ask that you would come, Lord Jesus, come. But Lord, now we ask that you would speak to us in these moments so that we can grow. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. If you uh, know the background of Luke, he was Paul's physician. He was... Uh, given this task to get eyewitness accounts and to accumulate information about the story of Jesus so that we could trust the account of Jesus' life, so we could have a a trustworthy document that showed what happened in the life of Jesus. And so uh, we're we're made to understand that Luke would have sat down with Mary and he would have recorded her eyewitness accounts of how things uh, took place in the life of Christ. And so this is where we begin in verse 26 of chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, all that information is important. Galilee, Nazareth, a descendant of David. These are all things that have been prophesied about in the Old Testament, predicted to come true. And we see that they're coming true. We continue in verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at this word and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And so Gabriel shows up to Mary and he says, you are to have the child that the world has been waiting for. And he says, you are the favored one. What a powerful statement to be made. Imagine one day an angel shows up to you and says, you are favored by God. And so this morning, the question as we continue to to read this passage, why is Mary favored would be the first question. And the second question would be, are you favored by God? Do you sense the favor of God in your life? Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who has said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Underline that. If you have your Bible, underline that, highlight it. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And so the angel says, you have an aunt and she is pregnant in her old age. You both have a similar situation. One, no one thought she could have a baby because she was too old. One cannot have a baby because she is a virgin. And so now this angel has brought this news to these, two young, to these two women. And now they must deal with this. And here's how they deal with it. Here's how they interact with this truth. Verse 38. Or sorry, verse... 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill con- country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Just a side note right here. We're told in science that a child in a mother's womb is a fetus and that the fetus is not a human. And yet right here, we're told that the womb is where John the Baptist was when he leaped for joy just because he was in the presence of Jesus. Is that not powerful? Is that not a testimony that we do not determine these things? We cannot say when life begins. We cannot say we are the authors of life. We cannot say that we have figured it all out and we know better than God. Because here we're told that this fetus, this baby in the mother's womb leapt for joy because the Holy Spirit was so powerful and the Holy Spirit was so prevalent in that place in that time. And here's what she says. Blessed is she who, is believed, who has believed that the Lord who would fill, fulfill his promise to her. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my what? My Savior. This is so vitally important because there's confusion around Mary. I was in Israel two years ago and went to a church where people from all over the world came up with artwork to represent Mary. And it was interesting to see all the representations of Mary and what people think of Mary. And there's a church tradition that began in Constantine's time, 400 years after Christ, that there was this view that Mary was virgin-born herself that she was miraculously conceived. There's the view that Mary is sinless and that we can pray to Mary and that Mary can answer our prayers and that somehow she is a go-between between God and man. Unfortunately, none of that is biblical. What we see in the Bible is Mary declaring that he is my Savior. To have a Savior, you must be lost. To have a Savior, you must have sin. And so here, based on what Scripture teaches us, on what Scripture is telling us, we are told that in the womb, the child rejoices through the Holy Spirit. We are told that Mary needed a Savior. Now, I don't want to lose track. Just because Mary is not deity, and just because Mary is not to be worshipped, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't respect and honor Mary. Mary was a unique woman of all women that have ever lived. Mary is the only person that was present at the birth of Christ and at the death of Christ. Mary may have had one of the closest earthly relationships with Jesus while he was on the earth. And so to look to Mary and to see that possibly she's a 13 or 14 year old girl and here is her response. My soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his what? His servant. Can you imagine the wisdom of this young teenage girl to understand these profound principles of truth that come from time of understanding, that she already had the knowledge needed to lead her child From now on, all generations will call me blessed. What are we saying today? She is blessed. We are part of all those generations. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors. Now you may not recognize this but in this song we call this the Magnificat. This is the song of Mary. This is the thing that came from Mary's heart when she met with Elizabeth and they rejoiced in the truth that they had been chosen by God. She declared these truths. If you don't recognize it, she is quoting from five Old Testament passages here. She is not unlearned. She is not unwise. She is quoting from Psalms and Proverbs, declaring truths that had been taught to her as a young child. She is not saying this from a place of ignorance, but a place of wisdom. A place of a young lady who committed herself to knowing the truth of God. A place of a, a young lady who loved God passionately and wanted to know more about the God she served. And so I asked the question, do you feel favored by God? Why was Mary favored by God? I believe Mary was favored by God because she had an appetite for the things of God. She pursued God with all her heart, all her soul, and all her mind. And that is reflected in the history that is recorded. She pursued God that she could quote scripture with the, the fact that she did not have access to a Bible. She did not have access to a Torah. She learned this from teachers, from going to the priest, from going to the tabernacle, to the temple, to learn what the truth was. She had a commitment to truth. And in that commitment to truth, she had humility, recognizing that she was a servant of the Most High God. She was not a master. She recognized her need for salvation. And not only that, did she not only look at her own situation, but in this song that she sings, this declaration she sings, she considers the poor, she considers the meek, she considers those around her. She has a heart for those in need. Why did God look at time and space and see a young lady and choose her to be the vessel of his very person? Because she loved him with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because she was seeking after him. And because she was a humble servant. I'm sure it wasn't a mystery to her that very soon when everyone saw that she was pregnant, there would be lots of questions. How did she get pregnant? How did you get pregnant, Mary? How did this happen to you? And I'm sure she thought through the consequence of saying, this is the child of the Holy Spirit of God. How that would be received. I'm sure she recognized that the future would not be easy or comfortable or easy. But you know what she still had? She had joy. She rejoiced. What an amazing word to rejoice. You don't just have joy, but you have rejoy. You are joyful. You are full of joy. How could she be full of joy in her circumstance? How could she be full of joy with such obstacles, such challenges in front of her? How could she be full of joy when the world that she knew has drastically changed? Everything was turned upside down, and all that you see looks hard in front of you. How could she have joy? Do you know how she could have joy? Because her confidence was in the Lord. Her confidence wasn't in stability. Her confidence wasn't in her ability. Her confidence wasn't in the the traditions or the structures and systems. Her confidence wasn't in her friendships or those networks that she's a part of. Her her, Her confidence was not in a future plan. Her confidence was in God. Her confidence was in the Lord. Mary's confidence in God made her joyful. Are you a joyful person today? I have in my hand a dollar bill. What is this dollar worth? A hundred pennies, right? A hundred pennies. Now, Is there some gold somewhere backing up those hundred pennies? Is there some place where there's lots of treasure that backs up this piece of paper? Well, if you study our our treasury, you realize that quite a long time ago, we stopped supporting our money with any kind of treasure. (laughs) It's called confidence. I have confidence that if I go to the store, this is will allow me to purchase something that costs a dollar. Some of us, many of us in the world, build our confidence the more of these we have. Do you know what this is built on? Faith in the world. Ever thought about that? Confidence in the world. This is confidence in the world. How long can you have that confidence for? See, it would have been easy for Mary in her time to put confidence in Rome, put easy to put confidence in her parents, confidence in some structure and tradition, put confidence in the fact that she's a Jew, put confidence in the fact that her mom and dad are going to take care of her. But that would have been all misguided confidence. It would have been fraudulent, fake Confidence. My question to you and my question I ask myself, what do I really have confidence in today? What do I truly have confidence in today? If I fall dead at this moment, what is my confidence in in the next moment after? What is your confidence in your health? What is your confidence in your family? What is your confidence in your livelihood? What is your confidence in your future? Where do you find your confidence Where do you place your trust? Because I truly believe the story of Mary, the story of Mary is is to teach us that our confidence, if in God, will bring joy. If my confidence is rooted in Christ, if my confidence is rooted in the Lord, my confidence will produce joy in my heart because there's nothing stronger, there's nothing more stable, there's nothing worth putting your life in confidence of more than Christ. But it is a choice. It's a choice that you and I make every time we get up in the morning. It's a choice that we make as we live out our day, how we spend our energy, how we spend our time, how we spend our money. It shows what we truly have confidence in, what makes us excited, what makes us sad. You know, right now there's these apps on your phone. You can see how the stock market's doing. Some people go from sky high to the worst day possible within minutes because the confidence is in something That is so unstable. Mary's confidence was not unstable. Not from the day Jesus was born. Not to the day Jesus died. Her confidence was in something that was strong. It was a rock. And it did not change. And so this morning we have lit in a candle. We've celebrated. We've worshipped the God who offers us joy. He offers us joy when we place our confidence in him. Placing your confidence in him is more than saying it. It's placing your life in his hands. It's when you take an action, when you make a decision, you consider what God has to say about it. Where is your confidence this morning? If you lack joy, if you're seeking joy, if you desire joy, I would encourage you, place your confidence in the Lord and you will find the joy you're looking for. So how do we apply this to our lives? How do we live this out? The first thing I would say, and I think the beauty of us gathering right now, the beauty of this direct time. Right now we're talking about eternal things. You know, you're going to go to the grocery store. You're going to watch television. You're going to do a lot of things this week. And a lot of those things have no eternal thought, no eternal uh, message. There's nothing there for you to focus on eternity. Just temporary, temporary, temporary. Right now, we're talking about eternity. Right now, we're talking about forever. And it's these moments where we can stop and we can evaluate what we have confidence in. What do I really have confidence in? What is my faith really in this morning? Because sometimes we can be blinded by the world and we can, we can talk about having confidence in the Lord, but when it comes to our actions, when it comes to our behavior, it does not reflect that confidence. And so I would ask you and I would challenge myself to evaluate what are you confident in today? Where is your confidence found? And if you're struggling with that, maybe you grew up in a time where you didn't have very much and, and, you, and it's really hard not to put your confidence in things. Or maybe you, you've lived through some things that were difficult in your life and it's stolen some joy, it's stolen some confidence, and, and you're at a place where you want the confidence but you don't think it's possible my encouragement, my application for you this morning is to ask God out loud, God, please grow my faith. Grow my confidence in you. You know there's a real God that hears me now. There's a real God that hears you. And he doesn't ignore you. He doesn't turn his back on you. He doesn't close his ears when you speak. He listens. And he moves And so this morning, if you're struggling with this confidence in him, speak it out loud. Talk to your father who is a loving father who desires for you to walk in relationship with him every day. And then finally, the application I would encourage you to do. If you've never written a letter to Jesus or written a song to Jesus, that's what Mary did here. She had this amazing event happen in her life and her response was to write a song, to declare a song. As I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about the songs that are on the radio, the songs that are prevalent. And typically, most songs, when you think about it, they're about love, right? They're about money. They're about power, right? They're about traditions, the things we have confidence in, we write songs about. Did you ever notice that? The things we have the most faith in, the things we have the most confidence in, we write songs, we sing songs, we listen to songs about. Do you realize we have a world that is believing that the only hope is to listen to a song about how good Christmas is or how love affects you? And they're putting their confidence in that. And they're putting their faith in that. And so this morning, let us who love the Lord. Do you know why we have hymns? you know why we have praise songs? Do you know why churches come up with new songs every year? Because it's from the heart that this is our confidence. This is our faith. And it moves us. It moves us to create things, to declare things about this truth. Do you know how much joy there is in singing a song from your heart to the Lord? Do you know how much joy there is to writing a letter to the Lord and reflecting on how good he is? There is joy available to all of us right now. We just need to be willing to take that next step. Before you can take any steps, you need to be twice born This morning, if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you have not asked him to come in and to to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you and to, to allow you to prepare for forever. You know, we're preparing for Christmas. This Christmas will come and go. But there's a time when Jesus returns that will never end. Do you know right now we're preparing for eternity? This very moment, right now, all of us in this room Are getting ready for forever. What is God telling your heart? I feel like every Sunday I need to recommit. I don't know about you. But I get off track. Get off focus. Start worrying about the things the world worries about. Start trusting the things the world trusts. It's really easy, isn't it? I think that one of the benefits of us gathering right now and and us having a message and singing songs is that we can just recommit ourselves to the Lord. And say, God, you are still in charge. You are still the authority. Jesus, I trust you with everything. Yes, I've messed up, but that is behind me. You are before me. I'm not going to worry about the past. I'm going to live into the future and I'm going to trust you with tomorrow. Let's recommit our hearts. Don't live in the past. Don't be bogged down by the sin of yesterday. Live in the grace of today. Know the grace of the future. Embrace a God who has a beautiful, and wonderful plan for your eternity. And recommit your heart that sin won't own you. Sin won't have victory in your life. But the Lord will reign as your king. Would you do that this morning? Would you recommit your heart? Would you recommit your life?